Welcome to Behind the Curtain, L.A. Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. Thank you. So um, we are here. We have to first sort of issue a disclaimer. Um, We are here because we are super fans of Light in the Piazza. (laughs) We're going to geek out in front of you tonight. I, I first encountered Light in the Piazza when it played at Lincoln Center, uh, which I guess is called Broadway, um, in 2005. Actually, I saw the Tony Awards. I happened to be sort of stumbling on the Tony Awards on TV, and I saw a little excerpt that they played of Light in the Piazza, and I was so captivated, I had to get myself to New York to see it. And it was it was even more ravishing than I could have imagined. So then I saw it there, and then I saw it at the Amundsen. Did any of you see the Amundsen production? Oh, good, a a few. And then, um, you know, it's just become a part of my heart. And what about you? Well, so my uh, connection with Adam Gettle goes back to my former life as a pianist, and I was living in New York in the late 90s, and uh, I was working with uh, Audra McDonald on some projects, and she famously, for her first CD, uh, featured uh, uh, music of Jason Robert Brown and Ricky Ian Gordon, uh, Michael John Lacusa, and Adam Gettle, and so I was... uh, doing a recording with Ricky Ian Gordon, fabulous composer, and he had this all-star lineup for, this was his first recording, a a CD called Bright-Eyed Joy, and he had Dawn Upshaw and Audra and uh, Billy Porter uh, before Pose, (laughs) like before that whole thing happened, and um, and then the, the mystery other singer. I wasn't, I, I didn't know who it was going to be until um, he showed up for the sessions um, that day, and it was Adam Gettle, um, who in addition to being, uh, you know, an amazing composer um, and a fabulous pianist and guitar player, is also a, an absolutely first-class singer as well. And so he sang on the CD and we got to know each other through that. And so after that, I just, I followed um, his career and, and um, waited, you know, with bated breath uh, for each subsequent uh, work of his. And when Light in the Piazza came out, I was absolutely floored. And, and we'll talk about the sound world of, of that and, and how specific everything that Adam Gettle does and how everything that he does is, is uh, unique, uh, one project to the next. Anyways, I was just, I was hooked. And I have to confess, I've actually, I had never seen the, um, I'd never seen a production of Light in the Piazza. I just got to know it from the CD and from the score uh, until I saw the dress rehearsal here the other night. And I could just say, um, I think we're all in for a real treat. It's what a cast. Oh my gosh, this is really something. So. Yeah, so you know, we, we have outed ourselves as a fangirl and fanboy of Light in the Piazza, but we're not the only ones. So I wanna just give ourselves a little uh, credibility here. Stephen Holden in the New York Times the most intensely romantic score of any Broadway musical since West Side Story. Frank Rich in the New York Times, who wrote about it repeatedly, Light in the Piazza is a wondrous fable that is as simple and complicated as its ineffable subject, the subject of love. The young couple at its center are in the time of life when each touch, each look, each sigh rises from the heart, the heart alone. This is what Adam Gettle captures in his music. Our conductor tonight, Kimberly Grigsby, who led uh, Light in the Piazza on Broadway for a year, says, Adam Gettle is on the planet to give us beauty. 
And finally, who else is a fan? Renee Fleming. And she saw the original Lincoln Center production that I did and fell in love with the music, she says. And that certainly helped us be able to hear it tonight with starring Renee Fleming. So that's just setting the stage for something very, very special. A little bit of backstory, you know, uh, many of you know Adam Gettle has, has very special lineage for a music theater composer. Do you want to talk about that? A lot of people may be aware. Um, he is the grandson of Richard Rogers, right? So no pressure um, <laughs> as, a, as a you know young composer, especially um, uh, with an interest in in theater, growing up in in New York. Yeah, and he's and he's talked a little bit about in interviews about the pressure uh, that when you're you know when you're the grandson of the composer of Oklahoma, Sound of Music, Carousel. Um, to be good is not, is to fail. <laughs> to be good is to fail. So um, as, as Grant said, he's, uh, he's a fine musician in his own right, it, more than just a composer and lyricist. Uh, he wrote the lyrics too, to what we hear tonight. And by the way, the book is by Craig Lucas, a, a very fine playwright, uh, Prelude to a Kiss, and also wrote the film Longtime Companion, wonderful film about AIDS. Uh, so back to the, back to the score. Um, Adam Gettle was a child musician. He was a boy soprano and had quite a lot of success. Right. Um, it, he was evidently in a production of Peleos and Melisande um, playing Inyo, the, 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 the boy soprano role at the Met. Um, and I was thinking about that because I don't know how many of you are aware of Jacob Collier, the just incredible um, multi-talented musician who's making a huge splash around the world these days. And, and I just recently read that Jacob Collier um, also got his start uh, singing a boy soprano role, singing the, the role of Miles in Turn of the Screw at the Royal Opera Covent Garden. But uh, so there's, there's some, some good precedent from, uh, from Adam Gettle, who evidently had a, an amazing voice before it changed. And do you think that the fact that he's a very talented singer uh, has something to do with the music that we hear in Light in the Piazza. Yeah, you know, I really think it has everything to do with it because, you know, Light in the Piazza, of course, it takes place in Florence, in Italy, in the 1950s. And, uh, and so the, the score is infused with this sense of Italian lyricism. And I can't help but think that Adam, being, um, being such a gifted singer himself, um, was uniquely uh, um, placed to be able to create these incredibly long, soaring melodic figures that happen throughout the piece. Um, I think, you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree with, with the review that, uh, that said that this is the most romantic score since West Side Story. Um, it just has that, that sense of the voice really give, taking flight and, and, uh, and giving voice to, to the most complex uh, emotions and, and the deepest emotions that we have. And again, I, I, I think that that comes back to the fact that he could sing every one of these parts. And I can imagine, I can hear him at the piano or on the guitar as he's, as he's composing the piece, making sure that every line is, is just, you know, like absolute vocal candy for a singer. It's interesting. I, I chatted for a few minutes with the conductor of tonight's production, Kimberly Grigsby, uh, who, as I mentioned, uh, did the year a year on Broadway of Light in the Piazza, but she also has worked very closely with him on, on many other productions and and watched his process. And indeed, he does exactly what you said. He sits at the piano as he's composing and sings 
what he's, what he's writing. So singing is a part of the composition process, which I think is fascinating. Let's uh, give you an example of Adam Gettle singing his own music. Uh, this is an early song cycle here, and uh, it's, I guess, Saturn Returns. It's called Hero and Leander. Yeah, this is from his, um, from Adam Gettle's CD called Myths and Hymns, um, which again has a, an all-star cast of, of, uh, of great Broadway singers, but uh, I think there's three selections on the CD that Adam himself sings, and this is, this is one of them called Hero and Leander. listen to him sing all night long. I just love his voice. So that's our composer lyricist tonight. He's known in the theater world for being, uh, well, slow. I don't know how else to put it. Um, there aren't a lot of Adam Gettle musicals. Uh, Floyd Collins is a great piece from the late 1990s, has a completely different world. It's, it's based in Kentucky. It's about a cave explorer who gets trapped. There's a lot of Southern folk music in it, Southern, southern roots. Um, and Myth and Hymns is based on Greek mythology. And now, of course, as Grant said, we're in 1950s Florence. What do you think is responsible for the fact that he, his output is small? You know, I think it's a couple of things. I think it's it's that perfectionism, and, and as we alluded to, you know, with his lineage and and the sense that every, I think he has this inner sense that everything that he does has to be just on such a high a high plane, um, and that is a lot of pressure. But I, I, you know, I think it's also the fact that he goes so deeply into the sound world and. Uh, and into the emotional lives of his characters in each piece. So he really lives through the music and lives through the character. And uh, he does evidently an incredible uh, amount of detailed research going into each project. Um, and then uh, uh, really fine tunes everything even before the first workshop um, happens. So typically, you know, any project of his, his ends up taking, you know, four to five years, um, if he even allows it to see the light of day at the end of that. And sometimes he puts the kibosh on it and moves on to the next thing. So I'm not sure what the, what the opposite of the word prolific is. <laughs> uh, uh, if you know, let me know. But that's Adam Gettle, is the opposite of prolific. He's working on two uh, adaptations of films that uh, can't wait, but we will have to probably, uh, which is uh, Millions, a uh, very delightful sort of semi-comedy, and a non-comedy, Days of Wine and Roses. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just wait patiently for those, for those to come out. Getting to the piece, Light in the Piazza, it, yes, it took about six years to write. Um, there was a sense that it itself was becoming a myth. 
you know, everybody was hearing about it for so many years. Based on a novella by Elizabeth Spencer, and I'm sure a lot of you know that there was a, a movie in 1962 called Light in the Piazza, uh, starring uh, Olivia de Havilland. Uh, it was actually Adam Gettle's mom, Mary Rogers, we haven't mentioned her, who recommended that her son look at that uh, little piece of writing by Elizabeth Spencer and think about creating a musical from it. So Mary Rogers herself was a very fine musician and, and composer. Um, Once Upon a Mattress, absolutely delightful, hilarious musical she wrote. She wrote the Freaky, Freaky Friday books as well, young adult books. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of talent. Um, how would you describe the, this, the overall character of the music in Light in the Piazza? Um, magic is the first word that comes to mind. Um, it's, you know, it's again evoking um, this sense of Italian lyricism and, and literally the sense of light uh, infused into the music. You know, it's interesting, I, I noticed that uh, he referred to the score at some point as, as being Listian, as in being influenced by Franz Liszt, the composer, and I, 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 that surprised me at first because of course you think of Franz Liszt with this extravagant piano music um, uh, and virtuoso, which is a, a kind of a different feel from Light in the Piazza, but I was thinking about the fact that, that Liszt, of course, famously spent uh, quite a bit of time in Italy and wrote a series of, of piano pieces and a number of, of songs in Italian, uh, influenced by Petrarch and, and other Italian composers. And, and you can really feel that sense of, again, just endless melody um, and, and harmonies that just, that just kind of tickle the ear, that just go to these, the, these places that, that you don't expect but as soon as they arrive there, it just it feels right somehow. I don't know how else to describe it, but there, there's really a magic to his to his harmony and to his melodies. So uh, we we join the show as a a visit to Italy is already in progress. Um, it's sort of in medias res. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but the fact that we are joining something that's already going on, which I think is really very effective, and it's a. a Mom and her daughter, the daughter is in her mid-twenties, um, and they are looking at Florence, they're sightseeing. Um, it's a very special quality. There's some, as Grant says, some magic in the air. And uh, we hear that sense of magic in the, in the very overture of the piece. Here's the beginning of Light in the Piazza. In the show, uh, they're wandering around this piazza, the square, and the daughter, Clara's hat, sort of is lifted by a breeze, and in a sort of magical fashion, a gorgeous young man <laughs> rescues it and returns Italian. it to her. <laughs> and what ensues is love. Uh, so we're going to first join Margaret and Clara, Margaret's the mom, 
in the central square where they're bowled over by all the statues and the stories of Italian history. And maybe this song gives us a little hint of something special about Clara. We don't know what it is. She's a little different. Those harmonies, they just We're really get under here. the skin. <laughs> well, and the, the soaring quality of the vocal line, as you were saying. Um, and almost every song has that quality, but um, I'm going to play you a little excerpt right now of a darker moment in the show. Uh, somebody used the phrase, how do you pronounce it, chiaroscuro, that, that shading, the darkness uh, that, that joins the light in, in certain art. And so we, we have a shadow now where Margaret, back at the hotel, is calling her husband back in the US, in Winston-Salem to be exact, and she wants to tell him that their daughter has, something's going on here, you know. Uh, there's this dude, and she can't bring herself to tell him. What's going on is that she's realizing that their marriage is, in, in big trouble. And this is a song, quite an amazing song called Dividing Day. There's this dichotomy that the daughter is falling madly in love and the mother is realizing there's something wrong with her love. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say it's it's very, very effectively staged in this production, which um, uh, which originated in London and originated uh, last year with Renee Fleming uh, in the role. And uh, I have to say it, you know, it it really feels like this music was written for Renee, the role of Margaret. Um, uh, I mean, as we all know, Renee is such an extraordinary artist, um, and she's so gifted at the kind of the natural, naturalistic delivery that you need for this kind of music. Um, so th these scenes are particularly special, in my opinion. And I'm sure some of you will remember when she starred in the Andre Previn opera here, um, that she was given reviews that were out of this world, of course for her singing, but for her acting as well. I remember somebody said it was one of the great acting performances, you know, of the decade, just the sheer acting. So it's, it's really, really exciting to have her here to do this. Um, so meanwhile, back at the hotel, uh, Fabrizio at this point has snuck in to visit Clara, and as act one ends, there is a duet between them that is so rhapsodic and passionate 
that uh, words finally fail them. And this is how Adam Gettle shows this. Remarkable. You know, it, it just it put me in mind of, um, I don't know how many of you maybe know the show Floyd Collins. Um, the, um, it's amazing. I mean, go out and get the CD or stream it. Um, it's the, the first musical that Adam Gettle wrote. And in that show as well, um, he, at the points of kind of maximum emotional weight, the characters go go wordless, um, and particularly or specifically in Floyd Collins, it's because he's a caver and and is listening to his voice echoing through, you know, basically doing these calls and and responses of uh, with his with his echo, um, and it's very similar to this music in in Light in the Piazza, um, both for. Um, for musical reasons and also for character reasons, I think as you'll see, um, particularly the the character of Clara, um, when she uh, at, at points of again maximum distress or maximum kind of emotional power, um, she abandons words and just in these soaring, soaring melodies start to take over. Um, it's again, it's an extraordinary, I think, dramatic device as well as musical. And that happens with Fabrizio as well, Clara's, uh, Clara's love. Uh, he will also run out of words. Um, there's a language barrier. He doesn't really speak English, and, and Clara doesn't really speak Italian. So, you know, the language of love is an issue in the, in the th show. Yeah, you know, it's, it's something we should maybe mention as well, um, because I, was, I found this quite interesting at the dress rehearsal the other night, um, is the fact that... Um, when the Italian characters are singing in Italian, uh, it's not translated. Uh, there's no supertitles for that, um, which I think is is interesting. So that we're all as an audience, and except for the ones of us who speak Italian, um, in the same position that Clara and Margaret are in, of being kind of slightly adrift in this land. Um, Adam sets the Italian um, extremely well. I, you know, as somebody who works in opera um, and you know, deals with a, a lot of Italian and, uh, and Italian composers, um, it's, it's incredibly idiomatic and, and natural, um, the going back and forth. And there's, there's one scene in act two that I think is, is particularly charming when there's a, a, a scene going on between Fabrizio's family uh, in Italian and the mother steps out of character and, and um, tells the audience, I, I don't speak English, but I'm gonna help you out <laughs> and translate exactly what they're saying. And it's, it's just a great moment. <laughs> so here we are in uh, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. It's an LA opera production, but it's a musical. Or, or is, it, is it a musical? Yeah, you know, I mean, it is a musical, but it's a musical that is pushing the envelope so far towards opera and towards lyric theater. Um, it's almost through composed. Um, although there's dialogue, there's underscoring to most of the dialogue. So the, the score plays um, operatically in that sense. But you know, certainly the, 
both musically, the you know, as we've talked about the the um, sophistication of the harmonies, the the um, the soaring quality of the vocal lines. Um, pushes it towards opera, and, and also, frankly, the casting that one needs for this show, um, because, again, vocally, this is, it's, it's much more rangy, for instance, and, and, uh, and just much more uh, vocally uh, challenging and sophisticated than, than a lot of, uh, of shows that were, that were especially being composed around the same time as Light in the Piazza. So I think, I think we're on pretty firm ground, um, in, but again, I'm biased. Opera. Well, you know, the, the use of mics is interesting because uh, for an opera production, we wouldn't see mics. Yeah, that's, that's right. And yet it is, you know, it's so much a part of the, of the, the aesthetic and the sound world of a show like this. And, and uh, particularly with the, with the dialogue that is underscored with music, um, you really do need that, that, that help to get, the, to get the words and get the story out, out to the audience. What is um, the reputation of Adam Gettle in, in the music theater world, given the fact that there are all too few musicals that we know? There are basically two so far. Yeah. He's in his early 50s, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think, you know, I think there's a, um, there's a, a sense of, of adulation for his incredibly prodigious gifts. Um, and I think there's, a, there's also a sense of frustration that, that he hasn't, been able to to bring more projects to fruition, so we're we're grateful for for what we have and would like yeah. more. <laughs> we certainly are, um, and you know, again, uh, we are sharing with you our our passion for this show, realizing that you know everybody has their own uh, their own attitudes and and sense of taste, but uh, we also think you'd be crazy not to love. Love the show. Heart of, heart of stone. <laughs> Thank you for, uh, for being here to let us share our joy in light in the piazza and hope you enjoy it as well. Have Thank fun. You. You've been listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain. Thanks and see you at the opera. If you've enjoyed listening to L.A. Opera's Behind the Curtain, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to share this with your friends on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll see you at the opera.